Hi friends, welcome to this week's Moment with Miranda, a time where we come together to the Word of God and to look into it as we would gaze into a mirror. This week we are finding freedom, and specifically the freedom to be. I believe that this is an episode you don't want to miss, so I'm so glad that you are joining me today. I was reading earlier this week out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 3, a scripture that I have read often, but the translation that I was reading this week got my attention. It says, the sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature, his mirror image. In other words, Jesus is the reflection of God. Just as Christ was on the earth, the image of the invisible God, we are told that as his followers, that we reflect the same glory into the earth as his sons and daughters, as we're made like him. And the way that this happens is by beholding or seeing Jesus. We see him so that we can be like him. We see him so that we can reflect him. Jesus told his disciples that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I wonder what would happen if we as Christ followers began to believe that the work of the Holy Spirit in us was so effective that we could begin to say, if you have seen us, you have seen the Son. Now that I think would be really amazing. And friends, I believe that's God's heart for us and really the purpose for these moments together at the mirror of the word of God. Paul told us in his letter to the Romans that all creation is groaning and waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. The Holy Spirit is alive and active in the hearts of believers and he is interceding and earnestly praying that we would be made like the sun. He is working in us. He is travailing the sun within our lives. And he's working sometimes right out in the open, but mostly it seems like it's behind the scenes. And he's working all things together, bringing forth good. And it's his job to conform us to the image of Jesus and into a glorious, fully formed and deeply loved child of God. As we abide in his word, receiving and believing, the truth makes us free, and we are free to be who he says. It's the way of the world and even religion to have us ever on this quest to be better, to be successful, to be someone, to be the best version of ourselves that we can be. (laughs) And it sounds really reasonable. It sounds good, but that, in fact, is not the gospel. To be a Christian is not to be a better me, but to be like Jesus, to live as he lived, always aware and walking in sync with the heart of the Father. And this is only possible because we have his heart too. This is our starting place with God a new heart and a new spirit 
to follow Jesus is not an invitation to be a better me, but rather it's an invitation to die and to be born again with a new father and a new family. Rather than live trying to rehabilitate an old man, we're given a brand new man, one created in righteousness and holiness and truth. One who has been born from heaven with heaven's heart and heaven's mind so that as we walk our life's journey, we will be bringing the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom from which we come wherever we go. Friends, I admit that this was not something that I have had much understanding of up until now and in the past. (laughs) Much of my Christian life, I've lived really destination-driven rather than spirit-empowered. So what do I mean by that? I mean that I lived thinking the goal was heaven and that I had to do everything right to get there. To be the best me, to be a good follower, be holy, be pure, be righteous. I was constantly on track to be a good doer in order to get where God wanted me to be. When in fact, the moment that I said yes to Jesus and began to follow him, my destination was already set. My being was already beginning. He had given me what I needed for life and godliness. He made me in him everything that he always intended for me to be. And now I walk through life empowered by his spirit in me to do just that. To be free to be. 2 <laughs> Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be... In Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new is come. My yes to Christ is my yes to be, to exist. It's my yes to exist and to live as he says. Acts 17 verse 28 says, For in him we live and we move and we have our being, our be." dash I and G. It's not just my life, but it's all of my being. It's all of my existence, my being righteous, my being holy, my being his follower. It is his power at work in me and his life that has given me a being and existing. I'm really more aware of this truth now than I've ever been. You know, maybe for some of you that hear this, this is not a new concept to you. But I have to tell you that after years of trying to achieve and to prove, I'm learning to receive and approve. I receive his life and his desires become my yes. They get my nod of approval. And I learn to live as he lives because it comes from a totally different place. And the life of Christ is a life of freedom. It's a life that's free to choose out of desire and not out of obligation. It's free to choose out of love and not fear. It's free to be an example of living the truth in a world full of unbelief and in a world full of people that are living under a false and assumed identity. See, freedom is God's idea. In fact, it's a part of his nature. 
if he made man in his image and after his likeness, it was not the physical form of man that was like God. It was the spirit of a man that was like him because God gave him his own spirit. He breathed into him the breath of life. It was his character that man was receiving. It was his ways, his attributes. And I'm of the opinion that one of the greatest parts of himself that God gave to mankind was his own free choice, his own, as we would say today, agency, his own moral agency. It was God's free choice to create the world and it was God's free choice to make man. No one forced him or manipulated him into it. We were his desire, born from his choice. We were his good idea and he placed within each of us that same ability to choose, to receive and also to reproduce freedom. He formed us in freedom and he created us for it. It was and is sin that brought and brings bondage. It did then, it does now. It's bondage that robs us of our true identity. It's bondage that robs us of God's nature. It robs us of life and peace, of being able to see things as God sees, to hear, to respond the way that he would. Left to ourselves, we are just on a constant search of a sense of wholeness. And we are resigned and live in resignation to worship lesser idols. And we call them peace, or we look for them to give us peace. Sometimes we find solace there, or at least a reprieve from our pain in our lesser gods. We don't like to call it that, but it's nothing more than modern day idolatry. And then other times, instead of finding solace and peace in these lesser gods, all we find is more lack and introspection and separation, especially if we ourselves are that lesser god. That's a sobering thought. And friends, this is the state of every human being before we come to Jesus. This is our condition. This is our being. We are being captive. Captive to ourselves, captive to a culture that has a loud voice, captive to a way that we have always known that truly doesn't give us the deep sense of satisfaction or most importantly, doesn't give us true peace. If you can have favorite Greek words, which since I am a word geek, I do. One of these Greek words that I love is the word for peace. And it's the word irene. And this peace that is spoken of is not just a sense of calm in the middle of a storm. It's not simply an absence of strife or frustration from people or things that disagree with me or get on my nerves. It's so much deeper than that. What peace means is to be made one. We're talking today about being free to be. And in Christ, we are free to be made one. 
We are free to live in unity with the sun. We are free to allow every part of our life to come into agreement with the truth of what God has said in his word. In other words, where I have experienced division in my soul, where I've struggled to achieve or to prove, or where I have fought for value and success, where I have been driven or even convicted to be a better human, in Christ, he has made me free to stop to stop that kind of a life. He has made me free to quit trying to perfect myself to death and to actually let that part go ahead and die. And in exchange, he's promised to take the pieces of what I thought was real life and actually bring peace to it, to bring wholeness. This is what being made one means it's to take what has been shattered and to unify all the parts uh, one way that we would maybe recognize it being said today is to be being an integrated whole person not just being made into a quote better you or a quote better vessel than before but what christ has done is made us brand new and this is the place where freedom begins. This is right where our real life starts. So I want to talk about this for a bit in light of the scriptures. We can talk in hypotheticals and we can talk shadows, but how does this very thing look in the lives of ordinary people? How can it look in my life and how can it look in your life? When Jesus came on the scene, so to speak, making his first public appearance in the synagogue, the scripture that he read from was one that was out of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 1. And he read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He was sent to a specific group of people, not simply the Jewish nation, although they were first offered salvation, but also to a group of people that were not often considered. They were a group of people that were offered little by society and offered little to society. They were a group of people who were not whole. They were the poor, the broken, the bound, the blind, the beaten. They were the ones who had not necessarily lived a life, but rather life had lived them. And Jesus's purpose was intentional to bring freedom to the captive and to make things right. Everywhere that he went, we see that there were physical healings. There was emotional soundness that came to people. And even there was exposure of religious lies. His purpose was to make people free. And friends, if you hear 
anything today, I hope that you'll hear this, that the fruit of any ministry that is a Christ-like and Christ-centered one will be freedom. The received word will produce truth, which will bring peace and free other people to be whole. This, in fact, is the promise of the word in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. The God of peace will sanctify you wholly, spirit, soul, and body. Your whole spirit, soul, and body will be preserved blameless until the coming of Jesus. The one who promised this, he will do it. And the one who promised that, friends, is the God of peace. And where there is peace, there is not just the ability to cope with life and to not get mad. No, where there is peace, there is a returning to one, a bringing together of everything sound in every part. So if we go to the scriptures, we can see this in action. One of my favorite stories full of the good news of freedom, the gospel, is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. We see her story in three out of the four gospels. But for the sake of this time, we'll look at it from the book of Mark chapter 5. And we know that this was a woman who lived divided. She was a woman, although a daughter of Abraham, progeny of the free she herself was not free she was in bondage to a sickness which was stealing her life on every level from her health to her relationships and even robbing her of her own humanity everywhere she went she couldn't hide her lack or deformity she had to actually proclaim it and make it known that issue of blood meant that she was unclean all the time imagine her identity that's the woman with the issue talk about being an outcast and being marginalized and just living in the shroud of shame and fear this woman was the poster child for this very thing in society and in the religious community in church of their day for 12 years you more than likely know her story she has nothing left except one more push of possibly physical strength and maybe her last little ounce of hope a thread of faith in what she had heard of jesus no doubt she had heard that he was healing people his fame was spreading through the region no doubt she must have heard that he was compassionate she heard that he was a teacher a holy man blessed by god he had to be right because all of these healings that were happening and something in her must have received the report received the word that she heard and she said if i can touch the hem of his garment i'm going to be made whole and this word for whole here is the Greek word sozo. We've talked about it so often. It's the word for salvation and deliverance. It means a whole and entire work of peace and soundness in every part, spirit, soul, and body. She was not just anticipating a healing, but more truth was already working in her heart before she even knew what was happening and she touched his garment and immediately the blood stopped flowing that physical touch that she longed for and she knew something happened 
Jesus stopped and he said, who touched me? Much to the frustration of his disciples looking around at the crowd and being like, what do you mean who touched you? But Jesus knew something had changed because he didn't just impart power to someone. There was someone whose faith drew power from him. Someone who saw and knew their need and recognized that that man had something that she didn't have. And trembling, the woman came to him and fell at his feet and told him the whole truth. We don't get to know exactly what that whole truth was, but it really doesn't matter because Jesus always cuts right to the chase. And I love the next thing that he says. He says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Notice what happens here. She heard about Jesus to have faith to reach out. And having been called to him, knowing something had changed, she told him all of the truth. You know, a touch from Jesus inspires you to tell the whole truth. And his gift to her was not just healing. It was peace. And then he said, be whole. In other words, move forward in life because you are free to be well in every area. This is what I really want us to see here, friends, because this is the work of the gospel. We hear the word of Jesus and faith begins to stir because faith comes by hearing and by faith in his goodness and just recognizing that he loves us. We tell all that we have done because we realize he already knows all of our trying and all of our lack, where we've bowed down to lesser idols, where we have wasted all of our living, where we've worked and we failed. And his gift to us is not judgment, but rather it is at one minute. It's peace. And from peace, from that place of settledness, he sends us out to be. In the case of this woman, she was sent out to be whole. What did that mean? Well, I think it meant that now her condition was no longer her identity. She was no longer this woman with the issue having to live segmented from life. But she was a daughter She had a new identity and she had peace in her spirit and in her soul, in her body. And now she was free to be who she always wanted to be, to be that kind of a person, a person at peace. Think about it. You know, she was going back to her ordinary everyday life where people knew her to be a certain way. In her ordinary everyday life, she had been an outcast. She was unclean. She was a loner. But the touch of Christ was not just freedom from sickness, healing from sickness. It was not just freedom from fear and separation and judgment. But now it was freedom to be a whole new way, to live new, to love new, to be free. 
The only hold her past could now have on her was the power that she gave it. And she truly just got to walk forward. She was now free to be who Jesus made her to be regardless of what others thought or how they were used to experiencing her. She had the choice to live a new and living way. And friends, we are no different than her. Sure, we may not have had the same physical maladies, but in our souls, we were hemorrhaging from life, unable to be fruitful, poor from spending all that we had trying to cope with life and to be better humans. It was a dead-end street, but life and peace were offered in Christ. A new way was offered, an invitation to not just be a better us, but to be a brand new us. And our choice is no different than hers. Having been set at one and made at peace because of the work of Christ and recognizing our sin and receiving his death for our own. We have been healed from the wounds of our past. So now how will we identify ourselves as made whole or still searching for a remedy? Will we live free or will we stay bound to what we have been made free from? Maybe something as simple as other people's opinions. See, Jesus offered this same invitation, not to this woman only, but also to a man who laid by the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. Over and over, he watched as others received healing from the waters that he so desperately seemed to want. And when Jesus met him in the place where his identity had laid, he was, quote, the man at the pool. Jesus asked him a question that seems to be puzzling. He said, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be different? It could almost sound insensitive, especially since the scripture tells us that Jesus knew he had been that way a long time. But this was not a question for Jesus' sake to determine if the man had adequate desperation for healing. Like if he really wanted this enough, I'm going to make sure before I heal him. No way. That's not it. I think that this question was for the sake of the man so that he could come to truth with what was really inside of him. Did he want a change in his life or was he going to be satisfied being the man at the pool that he had been for 38 years? You see, the word of God in Jesus had come to this man. No doubt he had heard about the healings that Jesus was doing, but the word offered the man an opportunity to believe, to decide for himself what is true. Did he really want to be whole or was he okay being who he had always been? Was he going to just keep trying to make excuse for himself or was he going to push further. If he was healed in whole, there was going to be a required change because he would no longer be able to be who he once was and who everyone else knew him to be. He was literally going to walk in a new identity. 
We see at first he made what looks like excuses as to why he was that way. I can't get to the pool before someone else comes. I have no one to help me in. And you know, I don't really know that they were excuses. They were, in fact, his legitimate experience. Every time he tried to get in, he couldn't. If maybe he had someone to help him, maybe he could have got there first. But Jesus was saying still, do you want to be whole? And then he said, rise, take up your bed and walk. And right then, the the man had the opportunity to respond. And we don't see this big inner struggle, perhaps, that he had or didn't have. We don't get to know that, but we do get to read simply what the scripture says. And it says that the man responded to the word and he received a new identity. He got up, he took up his bed, and he walked. He began to walk a new life, free to be healed, free to no longer be the man at the pole. Shortly afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple, which I think is really cool because it was his place close enough to find connection that he knew with God at that time. And so Jesus finds him in his father's house, basically. And he said to him what he says to me and you through the gospel. He said, look, you are made whole simply by my touch. Don't sin anymore. So nothing worse will come to you. I personally don't hear this as Jesus saying, you can never sin again. And it's you, if you do, you're going to be sick. <laughs> It was actually written in the present active tense, which says, don't make sin your active lifestyle. Don't make sin your practice. You are now free to be new and to be different. This man's natural life would now be different. He would no longer be identified as, quote, the man who was crippled 38 years, but rather his identity could be the one set free and living from a new place of being. For the one who receives the word of the gospel, we are set free to be whole and to change the way that we live life from here on out, not in the struggle of our own self-effort, like I really have to do this now, but now knowing that that life of God has been placed inside of us and we're filled and empowered by his spirit. John said that those who are born from God, they can't sin because the seed of God, the life of God is in them. This doesn't mean that we'll never fall or stumble, but the one who has been born into a new life and has experienced being made at peace will no longer continue to live in the sin that they had so easily done before. They can't. It's no longer who they are because they have a new being. Friends, I really hope that you find yourself encouraged today. Not just encouraged, but encouraged. Let that life of God that's in you rise up. You and I were no different from the woman with the issue or the man at the pool. Christ has come to set us at peace in our spirit.
so that we can determine in our soul to live differently every day making choices according to the life of God within us. I cannot be a better human. I've tried that. I must be who Christ says that I am, who his word declares that I am, what his nature shows of himself so that I know that I'm the same. I live as he lives. I'm a disciple. I'm a follower, single-minded to live according to the word and to the truth of God. Very simply, this looks like the fruit of the spirit in my everyday life. It's love, joy, peace, received from the Father. It's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness with other people, and it's faith and gentleness and control of myself. I am free to be. Free to be whole, free to love, free to be loved, chosen, called, self-sacrificing, free to be patient and kind and gracious, free to be truthful, free to walk in wisdom. Friends, you are too if you are in Christ. This is who we are. This is real freedom. So why don't we walk this out together in courage and in faith, believing that Christ is walking with us? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the life-giving power of your word. You tell us that if we continue in your word, if your word finds a deep rooting place in our life, that we will know the truth, we'll be your disciples, and we will be made free. And every day we'll have the opportunity to walk that freedom out in our lives. And when we stumble and when we fall, we'll be reminded we're not that old person anymore. But in you, we live and we move and we have our true being. God, make us aware. Make us aware of your presence with us every single day of our lives, God. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining me for this moment with Miranda. I hope that you were blessed and that you will tune in again next time for another moment.